All right, well, we're going to get started. This morning, we're in a study uh, that we've been in for a few weeks. We're calling it Explosion because we're looking at, and at, at, at the after effects of an explosion that took place on the day of Pentecost when the, when the, the Holy Spirit came in, in, in answer to the promise that Jesus had given His followers and the church was birthed. And we're looking at, at, at four or five verses in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through uh, 47. And, and we're looking at that, we're calling it explosion, but the, the, the crux of the issue is this. We want to become a radical church in a hostile culture. Now, I've, I've, I've kind of explained the radical idea. We're not looking to be weird or strange or bizarre. We're, the word radical means to return to your roots. That's literally what the, the, the root meaning of radical is. And we want to return to, uh, to, to, to the kind of church that uses the same principles that the early church used. It, it's amazing. The early church did what God said and God added to their number daily. We've come up with all these great ideas and hey. So I'm kind of a realist. If, 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 if God says do it, then it's got to be good and it's got to be perfect. So why don't we just do it? That's what we've been talking about. We've been looking at some principles. We, we've looked at, uh, in verse 30, uh, 42, we've looked at that the, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And they devoted themselves to breaking of bread, which last Sunday we talked about was, was probably the, the communion meal and the fellowship that went with that. Today we're going to look at, at, the, at the idea of prayer. And not just prayer, but passionate prayer. We, we've talked and we've, we, we've learned that, that an explosion takes place when a tremendous amount of energy is focused into a very small place. When that happens, there's an explosion. And ex people who survive explosions are often affected by that encounter. In fact, I would dare say every person who has ever uh, uh, survived an explosion was affected. They never forget the helpless feeling that, uh, that engulfed them in those moments as that explosion went off and after, the after effects of it. They realize, and, 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 and this is something that, that, that I've heard is, as I've listened to, to, to soldiers, they realized that they were no longer in charge. And they were powerless to do anything in that moment. Their body went where the explosion sent it. Their body uh, encountered things that, that they had no, no ability to protect themselves from. And, and in those moments, they become intimately aware of their utter helplessness. Now, it shouldn't take an explosion to force you and me to realize that. How many of you realize you're not in charge? I'm not in charge. How many of you realize that, that, that apart from Jesus Christ, we are helpless? I mean, literally helpless. We're like babies in a crib. If somebody doesn't feed them, if somebody doesn't change them, if somebody doesn't exercise them, they die. And we're in the same state. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong and I can do this. Listen, if, if God were to step back, you couldn't even blink your eyes. You wouldn't get another breath. Yet most of us think somewhere deep down inside of us that we can get it done somehow or some way. That's just, that's just people. 
And that's the difference between us and that early church in, in Jerusalem. They realized that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, they were completely helpless. They realized that. They realized that apart from the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, they were totally hopeless. They believed it when Jesus said that apart from you, me, in John chapter 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. That's what Jesus said. You can do no thing apart from me. They realized that Jesus meant what he was saying. They understood they didn't have any power in and of themselves. There wasn't a one of them that could that could uh, could reach down to a lame man and lift them up on their own. There was not a one of them that could could put his hands or her hands over someone's eyes that were blind and and cause that person to see. They were inept at that. They were helpless in that. They realized that it it had nothing to do with their knowledge or their wisdom or their intellect because their knowledge and their wisdom and their intellect was inferior to what they needed. They got it. I don't think we do. I really don't think we do. They listened. They remembered. And they did exactly what Jesus said they would do next. I love John 15, 7. Jesus says this. He says, if you abide in me. That word abide means to pitch your tent. Dig your feet in. Dig your fingernails in and hold on to me. That's my translation, okay? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words dig in and take hold. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. That's a powerful, powerful promise, folks, that we have yet to scratch the surface of. We can't even comprehend that. But listen, this early church began to pray. They began to take hold of it. They began to ask God for everything. And they prayed with a passion that charged the atmosphere and also changed the atmosphere around them. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 tells us that these early church members were constantly, continually devoting themselves. And we've talked about three things so far. Here's the fourth thing, to prayer. This was a, was a church that was not just a church that prayed occasionally. In other words, when, when things got tough, they had to blow the dust and, and scrape the rust off their prayer lives. This wasn't a church that prayed occasionally. This was a praying church. And there's a difference, okay? There's a difference. I would rather be a part of a praying church than a church that prays. You say, well, that's just semantics. No, it's not. The, church, the praying church is a church that has a DNA of prayer. These individuals had a DNA of prayer. They, it was not something they did. It was who they were. Everything they did was bathed in prayer. And then quite literally, the, the translation here, when it, when it says that uh, in verse 42, that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread, and to, it, in most translations, it will say prayer. But literally, in the Greek, the word is plural, to prayers. Not just to a prayer. Not just to a time of prayer, but to prayers. Well, what does that mean? Well, very likely... 
in those early days. They, though, the, you remember they're, they're, they're Jewish believers. They, they, they've grown up Jews, and so they're, they're, part of their culture is still within them. This, I mean, this is the first few days after after the church was birthed, and so in the Jewish custom, they had a system where they prayed at specific times during the day. It was customary for for them to pray at nine a.m. That was when the morning sacrifice was made. It was customary for them to pray at at lunch because that was when everybody took their largest meal, their big meal. And so they would have a time of prayer. And then it was customary to pray at 3 p.m. as the evening sacrifice was offered. If you study Scripture, you'll see this. But the Jews, no matter where they were during the day, no matter where they were at in the world, they would kneel down and they would face Jerusalem and they would pray. That comes in obedience to what God said uh, when he talked to King Solomon, he says, and I will hear prayers from this place. And so they, they took God literally. Uh, if, you, if you read the, the book of Daniel, you'll find Daniel doing this. Daniel's forbidden to pray. He goes home. He opens the windows toward Jerusalem, and he prays. He prays. Now, probably at this time, they were, they were praying a mixture of prayers. They were probably praying some of the Psalms. They were probably praying some of the traditional prayers that that they had learned as children, Jewish prayers that had references to the Messiah and that had reference to the kingdom. You see, they had seen that Jesus was the king, that he was the Messiah, and that his kingdom had come. And so they began to pray those prayers with a new emphasis, with a new understanding. And, And probably they prayed some prayers that were not restricted to formulas. Okay, they, they prayed more open prayers, more f- prayers with freedom. And so we have to understand that, 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 that because of, of this, because of the way that we're praying, they were still learning. They were still developing the, 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 the practice in which the church would, would use. And to this day, we still have some prayers that we pray by memory, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, how would be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That, that's one of those w- that Jesus taught. And so we pray that. But very often, especially in this church and in most of the churches I've been a part of, we, we pray free prayers, spontaneous prayers. Neither one of them are bad. Okay? They're good. And so they were, they were using all of this stuff. And we have to understand the reason they were doing this is because this church is brand new. They don't have any rules to follow. They have no history. Everything they do is, is, is pretty much new. And, it, and so it was fluid. And so this new church, the point I'm trying to make is they were praying as a congregation together. And they were praying individually as, as just individual people. They were praying. Prayer was essential to them. Now, think about it for just a minute. Probably just a few days earlier. Well, in fact, this is the same day the text we're looking at. It's it's the very same day. The Holy Spirit had come. And life changed. I mean, the text says that tongues of fire rested on them. Uh, the, the, the apostles that ran and hid weren't running and hiding anymore. In fact, the chief one that, that, that ran the hardest Peter and deny Jesus, he's standing on the steps of the temple preaching a turn or burn sermon. 
I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not going there. I've got, I've got this image that's come in my mind of a friend of mine. Uh, can't go there. But anyway, Peter, I mean, Peter is preaching a come to Jesus sermon on the steps of the temple. This is not the same Peter. These are not the same believers. And, and so, you know, all of a sudden, man, there, there's, there's some outpouring of the heart here. I mean, here are people that, that some of these people were, were, they couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't be a part because they were condemned. They were unclean. They, the, 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 the priest could care less about them. The religious uh, life of the, of the temple could care less about them. They were worthless. And all of a sudden, they now have value because they have eternal life. They know Jesus. And so these prayers were bubbling out, Okay. They were bubbling. They, they couldn't quit praying. That's what I'm trying to say, maybe. But th- these, these prayers, uh, they, were, they were the result of the Spirit coming and the far-reaching and deep-rooted changes that had resulted when Jesus changed their lives. And you know what? It's reasonable to think that they prayed spontaneous prayers because Jesus had taught His disciples to pray that way. Sometimes we miss this. When we look at the model prayer, it's not the Lord's prayer, it's the model prayer. Jesus didn't pray this prayer. You say, well, yes, he did. No, he didn't. He didn't have to ask God to forgive his sins. So I know he didn't pray this prayer. He was sinless. He said, pray in this way. In other words, use this as a pattern when you pray. You give glory to God. You acknowledge who He is. You ask Him for your needs. You ask Him that His kingdom would come. His will would be done. You pray for the, the, Him to protect you against the evil one. That, that's a pattern. And, and it, to this day, we still pray in this way. And that's what these early believers were doing. The point is, they prayed frequently and they prayed passionately. And if you read the books of Acts, you can't miss the importance of prayer. It plays a tremendous part in the early church. Every time there is a decision to be made, the church prays. And they don't just throw up a few and hope one sticks. They pray until they get an answer. Until the answer comes. They pray for protection. They pray for power. They pray for guidance. They pray for direction. They don't take anything for granted. They pray. They don't do like we do today. Most of us come up with our own plan and we ask God to bless it. Amen? Think about your prayers. I've thought about mine this week, so I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to us. Think about your prayers. You ever ask God, God, what do you want me to pray for today? Or are you like most of us? Oh God, oh God, oh God, I've got this appointment today. I really need this job, Lord. God, my kids are killing me today. I need some help. God, this month is, there's more month than there is check. Or maybe I could find $10, $100, maybe even the $1,000. And, and, and sometimes you say, well, that's not how I pray. But listen, that's how most of us pray. We pray in need. 
what if you just sat down before you, you started your day? Or you got up and got you a cup of coffee. I mean, we were talking about this this morning. Some people are morning people, okay? How many of you are morning people? Okay? Okay. I'm not. <laughs> Kathy's a morning person. When her eyes close, she's done. When her eyes open, she's running 100 miles an hour. Okay? I'm impressed by morning people, but I'm not one. Okay? How many of you are later on in the day? Okay. There's, there's, there's a few of us. There's not as many morning people. But listen, we balance. Okay? And you've got to come to that place in your life where you realize... Am I a morning person or am I a later in the day person? See, I, I, I don't need to make, uh, I don't need to operate heavy machinery and I don't need to make life-changing decisions before about 10 o'clock. Okay? <laughs> now I get up, listen to me, I get up at 6 o'clock, I can get up at 5 if I need to, but I'm in a fog until about 10 o'clock and that fog dissipates. It doesn't matter if it's daylight savings time or, or what, Okay? It, it, it's just that way. And so my point is, is whenever you come out of that fog, if it's when your eyes open or if it's a little later, maybe the first thing you need to do is, God, what do I need to pray about today? What do you want? What is it that you want today? We'll talk about this in a minute, but listen, when we know the will of God and we pray the will of God, God moves. All right, He answers those prayers. We are partners with God to bring about His will. We are the channels, the pipes, the conduits, whatever you want to call it, the big drain from heaven to earth. And if there's no, there's no pipe there, there's no conduit, God has chosen not to work in most instances. And so, as, as James will say, and as I'll, I'll reference in a minute, you have not because you ask not. Okay? The early church asked. They learned to pray, and they saw God move. They, 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 they went after God, not to, to get Him to bless their plans, but to give, him his, to give them His plans. Because God always blesses His plans. Think about it. When Peter and, 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 and John were released in just a, a few chapters, and they were forbidden to preach anymore in Jesus' name by the very same religious leaders who crucified Jesus, what did they do? They went back to one of those house church meetings. And they, they said, listen, we've been told not to preach anymore by the high priest himself. The big kahuna here in Jerusalem has told us we can't preach anymore. Did they stop preaching? No. You know what they did? They prayed. They prayed. And this is what Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and then I'm going to skip to verse 29 through 31 says, and when they heard this, when they heard Peter say, I'm not supposed to preach anymore. The chief priest has threatened me. You remember him? He's the guy who put Jesus on the cross. They lifted their voices to God with one accord. As one. There was a, there was a symphony that began. And it got 
more focused and more focused and more focused until there was just one prayer going up. Many people, one prayer. And listen to what they prayed. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. Lord, you know what they're saying. You know what they're threatening us with. And grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and to do signs and wonders to take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And I love this. Man, I am longing for the day when this happens. And when they had prayed, not during the time they were praying, not before the time, but after they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. It wasn't just Peter and John who got bold. It was little Miss Mary and Aunt Susie and Uncle Tom and, and little, little Johnny over there that never said a word. They all got bold. You see, that's what God does. God pours it out. And that's what he did in that instance. When they needed a solution for leadership and they were having issues with administration in just a few chapters because of the number of people who had, who had come into the church, you know what they didn't do? They didn't call a church growth consultant. They didn't contract a temp agency to get some help. They prayed. They just knelt down and they prayed. And you know what God did? God gave them the first deacons. And the deacons were to be an answer to the prayer. Lord, we've got more people than we know what to do with. We don't know how to take care of them. We can't get some of those that, that need food. We can't get them fed. Help us. Acts 6, 6 says, And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So they prayed. When, 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 when they were threatened, they prayed. When they were having issues within the church, they prayed. In chapter 12, Peter gets arrested. King Herod had already killed James. And he saw, hey, this makes the people happy. Especially those that have the money and aren't in charge. So why don't I just get the other one and I'll kill him? And so he has Peter arrested and he plans to execute him. Execute him. I strung that one out a little longer than I wanted to. <laughs> but you know what? The church didn't retreat. They didn't go into hiding. You know what they did? They didn't become fearful. They didn't become silent. They gathered together and they prayed. And you want to know how hard they were praying? When Peter shows up at the door, they don't think they've prayed long enough or hard enough to get him out yet. They, 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 it can't be Peter. It must just be his ghost. We're not done praying yet. I love what Acts chapter 12 verse 5 says. And so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Y'all know the story. God answers that prayer. And those chains fall off. And Peter thinks he's dreaming. Until an angel pokes him. Says, get up. Okay. Gets to the first door. Opens up. Walks through it. 
shuts. Gets to the next door. All the way out until he's outside in the streets. And he comes to himself and he realizes I'm not in prison anymore. Wow, how'd that happen? God answered their prayers. If you read the book of Acts, you will find church members and you will find church leadership praying. And you will find God answering. And he answers with healing. He raises people from the dead. Missionaries get commissioned and get sent out. The Gentiles, the pagans, the ones that that believed and worshipped many gods, the ones we, most of us, descend from, they get saved and come into the church. And, 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 and Paul and Silas, a little later, you see, God's not, God just doesn't give a jailbreak every once in a while. God does that on a regular occasion in the book of Acts. He sets Paul and Silas free. There's an earthquake. No angel this time. There's an earthquake. And as that earthquake shakes, it shakes the chains off. It shakes the bars off. It shakes the building off. And it was so bad and so big that the jailer could look at it and say, you know what, I don't have any prisoners anymore. I need to just kill myself. God sent an earthquake because the church prayed. Prayer is consistent and those prayers are answered. Listen, they're not praying for cash. They're not praying for crowns and jewelry. And they're not praying for Cadillacs, folks. They were partnering with God in prayer. And they were partnering with Him so that they could bring heaven to earth. That's why we pray. Not to get what's here on earth, but to get what's in heaven to here. There's nothing here that you and I need that bad. Okay? You say, well, I need to eat. Well, you know what? God will feed you. Now you got to get up and you got to get after it, okay? You got to do all you can, but God will feed you if you pray. I need a roof over my head. Well, you know what? God will put a roof over your head. God will take care of you. God will give you what you need. He doesn't promise to give us our greed, okay? We don't get everything we want, but he promises to take care of us. And so here they, here they are, and they're, they're praying, and, and, and they're, they're laying their, their request before God, and, and heavens open up, and, and, and there's, a, there's an open heaven to the need. Folks, heaven hasn't closed off. God hadn't said, you know what, I'm running low on supplies. I'm going to have to cut this off for a thousand years. That's not what God's done. What's happened is the conduits, the shafts from which he supplies from heaven to earth are stopped up or they're not there. We're not praying. See, they were declaring and proclaiming God's will into life circumstances and situations. They knew the promises of God. Do you know the promises of God? They're right here. They're right here. God says, remind me. (laughs) Rehearse it for me. I like to hear what I've promised. And folks, when we take His promises and we pray them back to Him, He moves. He moves. And so they were declaring the Word of God. They were declaring the will of God. That's what the promises of God are. That's His will. Listen, 
They, they were praying those promises. They had heard some prophetic words over the last few days. They were praying those prophetic words. They were, they were praying the Psalms. Listen, if you don't know how to pray, get the Psalms out. And just pray the Psalms. Because David knew how to pray. He knew how to communicate what was wrong in here. We act like there's nothing wrong in here. And we don't say anything. That wasn't David. David spoke from the depths of his heart. A lot of the Psalms start off so depressed that if you don't read but the first verse or two, you just want to go outside and crawl in a hole. But what's so beautiful about those Psalms, David says what he's feeling. And by the time he gets it out and he begins to praise God, by the time he gets over here, He's not in the pit anymore. He's not in the hole anymore. He's remembering the promises. God, you promised that you would not let my enemies overtake me. You promised me that you would not put me into the hands of those that want to destroy me. On and on and on. See, we pray, gimme, gimme, gimme. And wonder why we don't get anything. Listen, the Lord knows what we need. We got to learn to pray his promises back to him. God, God wants us to learn that his promises are sufficient. And if we will pray that sufficiency, then he honors it. That's what this church did. They, they begin to pray. They begin to, to loose things that were already loosed in heaven and bring them to earth. They begin to bind things and, 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 and that were bound in heaven. They begin to bind them on earth. Listen, they begin to pray God's will into their circumstances, into the situations around them. They begin to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10 And the influence of this church could be felt in their dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit and in their determined prayer life. That's what sets them apart. They moved in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and their prayers were answered. Man, that's where I want to live. Okay? You can live any place else you want to, but that right there is the center, I think, of God's will. It's to walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and to pray and God move. Now listen, I'm not commanding God. I'm not telling what God what to do. All I'm doing is repeating what God has already said He will do. Okay? So don't, don't misunderstand me. We don't command God. Amen? All right. Luke, who writes the book of Acts, also wrote the gospel of Luke. And he wrote them to fully explain who Jesus was and, 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 and the church that he birthed. Uh, he, he wrote them to explain that to a friend who was looking for answers. The, the guy's name is Theophilus. And it may have been an individual or it may have just been a group of people because Theophilus means lover of God. God lover. He wrote that to a God lover to explain all about Jesus and explain about how the church came into being. And one of the things you read as you, as you read the Gospel of Luke, you find the connection between prayer and power in Jesus' life. Jesus was a man of prayer. Okay? 
Jesus was a man of prayer. He, ever, before any decision, you find him going off alone and praying. He, he does that before he calls his disciples. He does that throughout his ministry. He does that on the very night before he's arrested. He goes into a garden and he prays. And if you look real close, you find that later in the life and the ministry of the church. Over and over, you see Jesus praying before those decisions. You see the church doing the same thing. And what happens? God moves. God moves. Luke links Jesus' pattern of prayer to the same pattern that you find in Acts. Because the church is the body of Jesus. Listen, if the head needs to pray, how much more does the body need to pray? Amen? Without prayer, nothing happens. God moves in response to prayer. Often, God doesn't change things until we pray. Now, sometimes He does. But very often, He doesn't. We can program, we can get personalities, or we can pooch our lips out and we can pout. But very often, nothing happens until we pray. Most things don't change without prayer. Jesus put it this way. Or excuse me, James puts it this way in James chapter 2, verse, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And I don't want to get to heaven. I've heard this illustration over and over and over. I don't want to get to heaven and visit the barns that hold all the prayers the answers to the prayers I had but never prayed. I don't want to have to look at the warehouse full of, 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 of supplies and, and, and provision that, that I never received because I never asked. I would love to get to heaven. And this is not going to happen, but I would love to get to heaven and, and God said, I had to take you because you asked too much. God, you wore me out. You just wore me out, Nelson. I, I, that's not going to happen, but I wish that was the truth. You see, the early church prayed because they were totally dependent on God. They knew in and of themselves they weren't capable of changing anything. So they prayed. They took hold of the only person who could bring about change. They grabbed hold of God. And they prayed in unity. And they prayed until an answer came. They didn't just toss up hope so prayers. They didn't toss up witchcraft prayers. Maybe you don't know what a witchcraft prayer is. A witchcraft prayer is when you try to control God in, into getting what you want. You hear witchcraft prayers prayed all the time. We start telling God what we want and how we want it to be. That's witchcraft because that's what witchcraft does. It tries to control other people. And so we can pray witchcraft prayers. They didn't pray those I hope so prayers. Well, I'll fling one up in hopes it sticks. Listen, prayers are not like that little sticky goo that kids play with where you throw it against the wall and it sticks for a moment and then it slides down. That's not the kind of prayers that God answers. And we don't pray, Lord, I have no clue what your will is, but I'll pray and I'll tack this on the end of it if it's your will. I'm going to go off on a hobby horse here for a minute, okay? I don't think anybody should pray if it's your will after anything. If I don't know what to pray, I need to be quiet. 
You say, well, Nelson, that's kind of bold. Well, just think about it. Just think about it for a minute. We have the Word here. The Word tells us what the will of God is. Spells it out. You say, really? Yeah, just read it. Just read it. We have the Holy Spirit living in us who tells us what the will of God is. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? Well, what about some of those things? Y'all know my stance on healing? Okay, I think sickness comes from the devil. Alright, I'm going to just say it plain and simple. I don't think sickness comes from God. Okay, so I'm going to pray for healing until, unless God tells me not to pray for it. There are some times when God is ready to take somebody home. Alright? But I think a lot of people die because nobody will pray for them. Nobody will believe for them. Nobody will, will stand in the gap for them. Well, well, what about this and what about that? Well, what about that? If I don't know the will of God in a situation, I'm quiet. I'm quiet. I'm not going to tack on if it's your will. Because if I do, then that means I'm just praying. Or actually, it means I'm just talking. To hear myself talk, because I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to help this situation. Listen, you and I can't help this situation. Only God can. And God will move if we will learn what God wants to do in situations. The will of God is not some mysterious thing, folks. It's not... Most, most people don't understand this illustration. I'm going to have to come up with a new one, but most of you are old enough. Y'all know who Monty Hall is? Door number one, door number two, door number three. You get to choose. I pick door number two. I'm sorry. The best prize was behind door number three. God doesn't do us that way. He doesn't say, Nelson, just choose a door. And when I choose the wrong door, God never says, I'm sorry, Nelson, your life's going to be a hell. You're going to be miserable for most of your existence because you picked the wrong thing. That's not the will of God. That's not how it works. See, God walks behind us like this. And He guides us. And if I'm walking in relationship to Him and I'm doing everything I know to do, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean I won't sin. It's like God's like this. And He's guiding me. And I'm learning what His will is, and He's guiding me. He never goes, hey, I'm sorry, you took a right turn there. I'm just going to have to let you wander around and get what you deserve. That's not how God does it. How many of you taught your kids to ride bicycles? Okay? You get behind, you, you, if you don't put training wheels, if you put training wheels on, they'll never learn to ride, okay? Listen to me. <laughs> so my daddy got behind me, and, and he, I could feel his hands. And I, I'm pedaling my little heart out, and he's riding, he's right behind me. And all of a sudden, I couldn't feel his hands. And man, he's 100 yards behind me. I've ridden a bicycle 100 yards, but I realize that he's no longer there. And what happens? You crash. Okay? Walking with Jesus is the same way. You know what my daddy did? He ran up there. Hey, way to go, son. You, you did it. You did it. I forgot about the bleeding knee and the, and the busted elbows. And Let's do it again. And the next thing you know, my daddy can sit on the porch and watch me ride. Folks, we need to know the will of God. And if we don't know it, then we ask him. God, I don't know how to pray right now. 
I mean, what would happen if somebody called on you to pray? And, and, and you're used to praying out loud. What would happen if you said, God, I don't know what to pray right now, so I'm just going to stand here and be quiet until you show me. Let me tell you what would happen. It'd get quiet in there. You could hear crickets chirping. Okay? Because nobody does that. They just pray until they feel like they're in the vein, and then they go on. What if we just got silent? See, the early church prayed, and they were quiet. And, and they didn't pray up the toss-up prayers. They didn't pray the I hope so prayers. They didn't pray if it's your will prayers. No, they prayed specifically. They asked for what they needed because God had promised to be Jehovah Jireh, uh, 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 the God who provides. He was going to be their provision, so they told him what we need. God, we need food for today. We need $5.69 to make sure this payment is, is complete. Whatever they needed, they prayed. And they were specific. And they prayed biblically. They understood what the Word said. And so they prayed that way. They knew the promises of God. And they just reminded Him. God, you said this. God, you said this. God, you said this. You know what? God honored His, his promises. Those early believers, especially the 120 that we see here in Acts chapter 2, they prayed for 10 days. You know what happened? Somebody tell me. The Holy Spirit came. We pray for 10 seconds, 10 minutes. And listen, we expect the demons to flee, disease to be healed, and God to turn the world upside down. Sometimes prayer takes time. Sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. What if we begin to pray like the early church in the same power of the Holy Spirit? The same Spirit that, that, that descended on them and indwelt them lives in us, folks. The very same. He hasn't changed. He hasn't aged any in the last 2,000 years. He's not older and less powerful. He is still the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will not change. The same power, the same person who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. What if we were to pray like they prayed? What if we were beginning to believe that, that God really does want to heal diseased bodies? That He really does want to save lost souls? That He really does want to bring freedom to those who are demonized and in bondage? What if somebody in our body, what if somebody in our body came and, and, and said, listen, I want you to pray for me because I've got this. Or I'm facing this situation. And what if we united and, and we begin to pray as one until that healing came? What if it took three hours? What if it took ten hours? Listen, how many of you would be willing? I'm not going to push the three days. I heard that. <laughs> I'd be happy if we just could get 10 hours or 3 hours. How many of you would stay and pray until God answered? Now listen, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. You know what? Things have changed since the early days of the church. Yes, they have. They sure have. We don't pray like they used to pray. 
We don't trust God like they used to trust. We fling a, a prayer up, we, re, we fling a hope, a, a hope so up, and we hope it sticks rather than bombarding heaven. Listen, we've got to pray knowing that what we are praying is the will of God and not stopping until we either have what we're asking for or God clearly says, I am not going to do that. And He will. He will. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 13, is, a, is an extended passage on the persistence and, and the passion of prayer. And Jesus, he teaches his disciples a pattern of prayer. That's, that's when I mentioned a while ago the Lord's Prayer, we call it, but it's really the disciples' prayer. He, he teaches them a pattern for prayer. And, and, and it's, it, it, if they follow this pattern, you know what? They will learn to pray like he prays. And so in the context, as you get down to Luke chapter 11, verse 9, this is what Jesus says. He begins to talk about persistence. And he says, and I say to you, ask. And the verb there is, or the, the, the participle there is keep on asking. It's not one time. Well, I prayed, I've asked God, he knows what I need, I'm on my way. It, no, that's not what this says. It says, keep, it says, I say to you, keep on asking, and it shall be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you shall find. Keep on knocking. Listen, when I go to somebody's house, when I was in the plumbing business, and I drove across town, and they said they would be there, I didn't leave until I had beat on that door for 15 or 20 minutes. Okay? Because it cost me a lot of money. I just... And if that didn't work, I'd get my little crescent wrench and I'd tap on that door and I'd just keep knocking because I had some customers that couldn't hardly hear or were terrified that somebody would come to their front door and knock. Everybody came to the back door. I knocked because I wanted in. I had something to do. I needed something. Listen, Jesus is saying, keep on knocking. Keep knocking, and it shall be open to you. And then he says this, For everyone who keeps on asking, keeps, receives. And who, who keeps on seeking, finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it shall be open. Listen, your persistence in praying for something is knowing that it's God's will. Okay, that's the key. I'm going to keep praying because I know this is the will of God. And so I'm going to keep asking until God moves. Listen, we don't get an answer from prayer when we've twisted God's arm up so far it hurts Him. Okay? Y'all know what I'm saying? He never cries uncle and gives us what we want. We, we don't manipulate God. So persistence is not about wearing God out. Persistence is about making sure we believe what we're saying. And sometimes it takes us hours and days and months and even years to really believe that this is the will of God. So I'm going to keep praying. I know some people who have prayed for children for 40 and 50 years. And you know what God did? When they started to believe it, God moved. God moved. God moved. I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I don't quite understand everything about it, but I love what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. We could just stop right there. 
Do you really believe God is? Is what? Is anything you need? Is, any, is bigger than anything that stands in your path? Is capable of doing whatever needs to be done? You fill in the blank. But we are to believe that God is. And I love this part. And that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. If I believe He is, then I can count on the fact He's going to answer. He's going to reward. He's going to send what I need. Prayers are answered when you and I pray the will of God in faith. Those kind of prayers bring what already exists in heaven to earth. That's what Jesus meant when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, our prayers are conduits that bring heaven to earth in whatever situation we're praying for. God doesn't answer our prayers because we wear him out. He answers in response to our joining our faith to his will. Listen, if we're praying the will of God, we should continue until the answer comes. Prayer has become something that most of us do. It's an act. Rather than something we are, part of who we are. Part of our identity as sons and daughters of God. Prayer is, is, is I've heard it likened to this, spiritual breathing. Breathe in the blessings of God. Blow out the needs. Blow out the request. It's a conversation with the person who loves us more than anything else. A conversation is not gimme, gimme, gimme. I got to go now. A conversation is when two individuals talk to one another. And I promise you something. If God starts to talk to you, in your prayer time, you will talk less and listen more. I just promise you that'll happen. Your prayer times will be less about what you say and more about what he says. Listen, that's what he wants with his kids. He just wants us to come and talk with him. We don't have to address him in, in some spectacular prayer language. We don't have to use these and thous. We just have to talk to him. You ever prayed when you're mad? God, I'm mad. I'm spitting mad right now. That so-and-so, so-and-so just cut me off. And God, I, I want to wring his neck. You ever prayed like that? Oh, I wouldn't pray that way. Why not? God already knows it. He sees it. You ever prayed when your heart's broken? You ever prayed when, when you're so frustrated you don't know what to do next? That's just conversation. That's what God wants. That's what He desires. Our problem is most of us are holding our spiritual breath. We think if we hold it long enough, we'll get what we want. We won't. You know what happens when you hold your breath long enough? You turn blue and you pass out. So how do you know? I got a little brother. Listen, our problem is that most of us are unwilling to pray. It's not that God won't answer our prayers. And we act like little kids. Like spoiled brats instead of the special partners that God calls us to be. Who have the privilege of bringing heaven to earth. We don't pray because we really don't think we need God. Let me just go ahead and say that. We're far more independent than we are dependent. 
We don't rely on the Holy Spirit because we think we can do it through our own power and through our own willpower. And so we miss most of the blessings that God wants, us, wants to give us. The early church prayed corporately. And they prayed as individuals. They prayed privately. They prayed publicly. And you know what? God moved powerfully. We just read a few of the things he did. How many of you realize this is not all he did? This is just a few instances. I reminded what, what John says about Jesus. If we wrote down everything Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. And so we, we look at this and, and we think, well, he did it and she did it. No, they were all doing it. All the ones that were praying were doing it because God was answering it. They were united in their prayers. They were one body, one voice. They took God at his word. And they believed the promises and they prayed those promises back. And God moved. And if we want to be a radical church, folks, we have to learn to pray. And then pray. Listen, I can teach on prayer. We can read read books on prayer, and we can talk about prayer. But until we begin to pray, nothing happens. I mentioned this about worship while ago, but prayer is more caught than it is taught. You know how I learned to pray? By listening to other people pray. It, it doesn't take you long when you listen to somebody pray to hear the heart of Jesus coming out. If you know what I'm saying. You just listen sometimes. Sometimes they're, they're really good prayers, but they're not going anywhere. You remember the, the Pharisee and, and the publican? The, Pharisee, the Scripture says, Jesus says, the Pharisee prayed, oh God, you know, I'm going to paraphrase this, but I, you're, you're so lucky to have me. And that's basically, and the, 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 the text says the prayers, in essence, got about right here. The publican, he just stood there and said, Oh God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. It's caught more than it's taught. I'm going to say this and, and I'm done. Every, every Sunday I've, I've given you a principle. When it comes to this passionate prayer here, uh, prayer moves God. And when God moves, incredible, miraculous things happen. Radical churches pray. And when they pray, the atmosphere changes in their communities. You know why communities are, are as hard as brass? Because the church doesn't pray. Listen, the power of God melts brass. It turns ice into heat. In fact, it turns it into fire. And you know what? When there's a fire, people will come. Maybe what we need to do is just pray. It's just pray. Pray for people that don't know Jesus. Pray for people that are sick. People that are, 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 are dealing with disease. Pray for people that uh, are in bondage. So man, if we pray for people in bondage, the, the strange folks will show up. Well, they'll be right at home, okay? Because we've all been in bondage, right? Maybe we just need to pray for the families. 
Maybe if we started on this street and begin to pray for, for each of these houses and, and are in our neighborhood as, as we... How many of you walk? How many of you drive your cars? That better, maybe a better... <laughs> well, as you're driving down your street, what if you just started to pray? You say, well, I don't know their name. Well, that'd give you a good reason to find out their name. But until you know their name, you can just say, Father, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know God loves them, Right? That's the will of God. You know, if they're not saved, God wants to save them. That's the will of God. Uh, you don't, he doesn't want anybody to, to, uh, to, to die and not know Him. Uh, you know He wants to bless them, right? So you can pray that. Pray that God would remove everything that keeps Him from blessing them. Right there, you've prayed four things. You'll be at the next house by the time you get those out. What if you just started to pray through your neighborhood? You know what would happen? You would get to know your neighbors you would get an opportunity to share Christ with your neighbor. You say, that terrifies me. Well, why? All you got to do is tell them what he did for you. You say, well, I don't know all the verses. Don't worry about it. If you know John 3, 16, for God's love the world, he gave his only only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall be saved. You, You know enough. All right? Our problem is not what we know. Our problem is opening our mouth and just speaking. Letting the Holy Spirit flow out of us. What if we begin to pray and God was to begin to move? What if He filled this place up? What in the world would we do? We'd go to two services. What if He filled it up two services? We'd go to three. What if he did more? We'd do whatever we got to do. Okay? That's up to God. Our job is to pray. It's to pray. Folks, I want us to touch not just this community, but the communities we live in and the communities around us. And, and the only way that's going to happen is if some church decides they're going to start praying. We pray individually, on our own, and then corporately. I say this, and I haven't said anything about this, and I don't say it to, 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 fluff, you know, to fling guilt on anybody, but we meet here on Wednesday night, and we just pray. That's all we do. You won't hear a sermon. You won't hear a Bible study. All you'll hear is prayer. We pray. There's a faithful little group. We need some help. Okay? We need some folks that will come and bombard heaven. And, and, just, and just pray the will of God. And you know what? I believe that if we'll pray, God will move. And if we'll continue to pray, God will continue to move. And if we continue to pray, you know what? The atmosphere will change around here. It'll change in here first. That's how God works. And then He'll take it out there. You know how air fresheners work? You spray a little bit and all of a sudden, you know what happens? That mass... The smell of death, or the smell of mold, or the smell of mildew, or the smell of whatever. Listen, when we pray, we become soothing aromas to God. And that spreads. People can smell it. They can smell Jesus. Listen, I want to smell like Jesus. So we're going to pray. Okay? We're going to pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.